this vision, the keeper of the garden. You are the keeper of your sphere of influence. People should flourish around you and feel secure. So I'm telling I'm telling guys, this is it. This is what it means to be a man. Like that other stuff, it's all trapping. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hi, I'm Dr. Alphonse Javed. Over the past year, we have had so many amazing guests on the show. We have talked about everything from chess ministry to immigration, urban missions to cricket, and gentrification to dance. We have heard so many stories of how God is working in urban settings, in Muslim contexts, and around the world. Every week, we share a new episode highlighting an important voice we believe deserves to be heard. But this month, we will be resharing our most popular episodes. Even if you have already heard them, we believe you can still learn something new. Please enjoy. Welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Um, today, I'm joined by Brent Hansen, a nationally syndicated radio host and best-selling author. Our topic today focuses on reimagining biblical manhood in his new book, The Man We Need. And we'll talk about his book more. It has a subtitle, and we'll talk about that too. Before we jump in a little more about Brent, he is also a longtime advocate for the healing work of CureCURE, a medical ministry that provides life-giving surgeries to disabled children. Brand lives in South Florida with his wife, and they just welcomed their first grandchild. Thanks for joining us today, Brand. So happy that you're here, brother. My pleasure. Yeah, two days ago, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. A little girl. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, it isn't it? I know. It's so, so great. So before we, we start, uh, please tell us uh, very briefly about your family. I love families. I'm a family man. So that you know, I have four children, five, three, and my girls are twin, oh my uh, one and a half years old. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Dude, that is fantastic. Um, Thanks, man. Gosh, I, I, my kids are grown up in 25 and 28. And my son is in med school and up at Yale. And uh, my daughter is, you know, she just gave birth. She works for Compassion International and lives with her husband here in town. And I've been married for, it'll be 32 years, a little bit later this month. So that's us. And I sure love to be in a dad and I sure love to have little kids in the house. So you're in the, you're in the golden days right now, man. It, not that it, it keeps getting better too, but it, I, I the I only thing that. I can take vacation. I was just talking to my staff right. earlier. I said, I'm going <laughs> to block this week, uh, next month, just in case we find a babysitter. But yeah. <laughs> that's the only problem. Go. Otherwise, I love it. it I, I am a big advocate of families, brother. I believe yes. that Satan is trying very hard to destroy families and men. Yes. Fathers are such a big part of family stability, right? Yeah, so I yeah. love when I hear about fathers turning into grandfathers and then being so giddy about like uh, having a <laughs> little baby girl uh, that's gonna be a godchild. Oh, that's awesome it is it's so it's so beautiful that's one of the things actually just to skip ahead though in the book though i do talk about like for guys that have little kids at home I'm like this is little kid season man life is in seasons don't miss this one 
do not to like you will regret that the rest of your life so wisdom says throw yourself in it enjoying these little kids you know if you can't take a vacation hook the sprinkler up out front and uh just and have a ball with them but right now is little kids season i love i love encouraging that yeah um so let's let's transition into that i can tell how excited you are for the ministry that the lord has called you and gave you experience and uh, mind to think about it and write about it. So I, I, this is good. This is good. And um, in our culture right now, especially evangelical culture, there is a lot of talk about toxic uh, manhood and how men need to be the men of the house and the evils of aggression. But at the same time, though, young men are very much struggling with high rates of suicide and increasingly more men dropping out of uh, mm -hmm. labor force. What do you propose in your book as an alternative uh, view of manhood? Well, I totally agree on the, the current discussion has been lacking something, in my, my opinion, I should say, in the evangelical culture too, where we do deconstruct, but nobody's constructing anything. That's, okay. that's my, that's my oh, okay. impression. So just go a little bit with the de deconstruction for our uh, listeners, because sure. uh, there might be some people who do not know what, what it means. Yeah, well, in, th in this case, to just put it simply, it's what you were saying. It's like, okay, here's what we shouldn't be. Don't be a toxic, domineering mm -hmm. male, mm -hmm. which is true. At the same time, there's other people that are fighting back and trying to present a masculinity that's all about flexing basically and being dominating. And so what I'm trying to do is say, look, we have all these puzzle pieces, but you need a box top that shows you what we're going for. That has a picture, what the puzzle looks like. And I think what I, what I tried to do is say, I think it's being a keeper of the garden, like Adam's original job that he was given. And there's a lot to unpack about being a keeper of the garden, but it means it means being somebody who not only protects a space and protects the vulnerable, but is creating that space and cultivating people around him, like allowing vulnerable species to flourish, letting people bloom and, and serving them and cultivating that. Like there's a lot to being a keeper of the garden. It just so happens that what I'm trying to tell, especially younger guys, like mm -hmm. women recognize when we're doing that yeah. and they're, they're very drawn to it. So, that, so, the, a kind of guy who does that. You don't have to be tough. You don't have to right. be. You don't have to be, right. have a big truck. You don't. Have, mm -hmm. But you do need to be this person that creates security mm -hmm. for the vulnerable, and and that's what I'm talking about. So, what do you think has contributed to this passivity of men? Why are men so stuck? Both sides. I mean, I'm not talking yeah. about those yeah. who are who are driving uh, those. Uh, uh, you know big wheels, the trucks, or the ones who are driving, I don't know, Prius, I, I, it doesn't matter which right. way, but what do you, what do you think? What do you think, think has contributed? I think it's that lack of vision Okay. of what we're supposed to actually be doing. So the culture has done it, but, but even inside the church culture, we've done this thing too, where we've got, you know, manhood means that the men's group goes out and makes stakes and throws axes, mm. you know, and, and, like that can be neat, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't leave us with a real picture of what this part of God's image is. His, his image is male and female. That, that must have content and meaning. And, and both of those images or aspects of his image have to be beautiful. Yeah. And I really do think it's that job that he gave Adam. So 
That's the vision. I just don't think we've had it. We've been really confused about it. But once we state it, and I, that's what I'm trying to do in the book, get, get people a picture of it. The reaction from both men and women is, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. That's so masculinity. I, I, yes. Yeah, so I know that one, one thing you suggest to men is that they need to take responsibility for their spiritual life. And I think you are talking about that as vision. Uh, but, but let me ask you, what does that mean? I don't assume anything. What does that mean? No, no, no. That's, that's great. What I'm trying to tell guys, too, when they hear the word spiritual, and you probably know this, too, it can be discouraging for men mm -hmm. or, or analytical type women, mm -hmm. because we equate in our culture, everything's about emotion. That's just how our culture works. And we have done that with spirituality. We equate it with a feeling or creating a, creating a feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's at a worship service or whatever. But that can be discouraging. I'm telling guys, that's actually not God's focus with us is our emotions. Mm -hmm. His focus with us, what he wants from us is something that we can do. And it's called loyalty. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an obedient, believing loyalty where you just keep showing up and you keep walking with him and interacting with him, even though, yeah, you sin. And even though we are all growing up, you know, we got areas we're messed up, but we keep coming back. So I'm telling guys to take responsibility for being loyal to God and not walking away from him, but in, it, like walking with him and continuing to interact with him and partner with him in life because he's looking for partners. So that's what I'm talking about. And I find for a lot of guys, it's, it's encouraging to hear because the emotion thing just comes and goes or it's just gone. Yeah. So let me talk to the audience for just for a moment. Um, so those uh, who are listening to this uh, podcast, uh, um, I do not know personally what is your view of uh, uh, manhood or how do you see identity. Our culture is uh, struggling with identity uh, of personhood, male, female, all that. We are recording this episode earlier, but uh, you will be listening to this episode on Father's Day. So I just want you to hear uh, this, this talk very carefully. If you're not a father, don't worry about it. It's not about just being a father, it's being a man, manhood. We, I want you to think about as we continue this conversation. So back to you, what, what would you say to men who grew up without a good father figure or come from an abusive or dysfunctional family situation trying to end the generational cycle? What, what's your well, I would just tell them there's hope. I would probably tell them my own personal story, which is exactly that. Um, I, I'm the child of a couple of divorces and a lot of trauma. And I've been really thankful that God has redeemed that story in my own life. Um, and I know he can. And so it's, it's, it's about us. But that's, that doesn't have to be our destiny. We don't have to be trapped by that. This, this chain can end. So that's honestly, that's, that's what I would talk to a guy about, like my own personal story of having to deal with that myself. Mm. And, I, and, and I've asked God for wisdom for years, and I think he's, he's helped me. Oh, that's, there's a vulnerability in, uh, in your voice, man. Um, and I appreciate that, actually, because uh, almost... I can identify with some of those things too. I come from Pakistan and the mm -hmm. Pakistani uh, fathers are at least the older ones, right? And now new generation mm -hmm. is a little bit different. 
um, the old school method is very different. You want to build intentional distance. Mm -hmm. The tradition mm -hmm. and the culture defines how that relation needs to be. So <clears throat> I do uh, see some of these things. But thank God my mom and dad, uh, I've, I've been blessed that uh, they've been together for uh, 43 years. Uh, they've mm -hmm. been married. And um, um, yeah, they're still together, but I, I, I can still see some of those things. So let me take you to the next question, which is actually a little bit harder one because I'm a pastor and uh, this is one of the problem most men are facing and even uh, married men. And that is how would you counsel men struggling with pornography? Yeah, I know this is a huge issue, but what I try to do in the book, because people have written so well about that and they have so much wisdom in it. Um, I recommend a book called Surfing for God, where the, the author who, who got himself in all sorts of trouble as a pastor, he wound up getting busted for being involved with prostitutes. He had a horrible porn habit and addiction. And he turned around and wrote this book years mm -hmm. later. He's basically saying what you're looking for isn't what you think. There's something deep, there's something deeper going on. And I think that's true. So I, I really recommend that book. I, I do spend a bit of time on that. Um, I spend a chapter talking about how fake things won't call us out to be men. And that's the, that's the satanic problem with it. Because a, a, a fake woman who's just pixels on a screen or on our phone or whatever, like, She'll never wake you up at 3 a.m. to go to CVS to get, you know, stuff because she's sick. She'll never argue with you. She'll never challenge you. You stay a child. And so Satan offers you what looks like the real thing, and it's not, and it leaves you alone. And I think, I think we know that, but mm -hmm. I, I also want to encourage guys, too, because there, there's a whole Reddit thread. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Alphonse, but it's just people who've given up pornography. It's not even from a Christian perspective, mm. but they're recounting their experiences or what they're going through as they've given it up. And mm. it's remarkable how your entire life improves. Like you have more energy, you're kinder to people, you're able to focus better. You're, wow. you're more conf, you're more confident. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if, if I'm, if I'm talking to a guy who's currently struggling with him, I want them to see the opportunity that's ahead and what God mm. has planned for them because you can't just drop something if you don't have something to replace it that's more beautiful. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm trying to give them a, a, a look. And when I tried to do in writing about this was a look at, at who you could become once we get over this and we grow up out of this. So, so I know you are not a pastor, um, but you're very pastoral in your conversation. And the way you are approaching this topic, you're very kind the way you are addressing this. And you are, again, even in this comment, you are trying to connect at least my brain uh, connected back to eden where satan mm -hmm. um sell something that was not the real thing but it felt as if it was so you have talked a little bit before about different ways you have reached out to men in your neighborhood can you talk uh, about how you sure. did that yeah so this is pretty fresh i just experimented with this because <laughs> I was thinking maybe maybe they'd be interested. I just had enough guys. I'm 52, and I got enough guys that are like 30s and late 20s 
who wanted to, I don't know, it just seemed like they were open to spiritual discussion. Some of them are already believers, some just brand new or some kind of on the outside. But I invited them to my courtyard, little patio. And I just said, we're going to do this for one month and that's it. So you're not committing for the rest of your life. Uh, but we're going to do it for one hour on Tuesday nights. So seven to eight on Tuesday nights for one month. And then we're done. Mm-hmm. And I just talked about the kingdom of God and what following Jesus looks like each week. And we discussed it. But when eight o'clock rolled around, I'm like, we're done. When we had plenty, we could have still talked about. I could go on and on and on, but I didn't because I wanted them to know that there's, if there's a closed commitment here. Like, I'm not going to trap you in something that's open and unending. And then if any guys want to stay and hang around, they could. Hmm. And as, they, as it turns out, they did. They wanted to, but the doors open, like, leave any time. It went so well, I couldn't believe it. And hmm. so they, they lobbied me repeatedly to do something again, so I did. Uh, so we've done two go rounds now and it's been fantastic. And, uh, but each time there's a limit, it's only going to be a month. You're not committing forever. And each time it's only an hour and I will pack that hour in with information and we can talk about stuff that's incredibly relevant. Uh, so, so that's going is, really well. Is it like a, so take me back, like maybe two steps. How do you start? If I want to do that in my church or one of the elders actually been talking to me about this, he wants to do something like that. So what do you do? You put an ad in the bulletin, you announce from the pulpit. Do you send a letter? These are guys I've already met in my neighborhood. Okay. And so I, I literally just told him, Hey, like, I'm going to do this thing and we'll see who comes. If it's just me and three other guys, I don't care if it's mm-hmm. me and 12 or whatever. That's cool too, but you're invited. Did you say we're going to have spiritual conversation or you said, yeah. well, I'm going to have a talk about pornography or you said, oh, we're going to talk about what is a real man. Yeah, I told him we're going to talk about what it actually means to follow Jesus. What okay. does it actually mean? Mm-hmm. So it's literally what does it mean to be his apprentice? Okay. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you because I'm older than you. I, I at least have that confidence now. I haven't always. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, I do feel like and, and you know, this having a, having a pastoral gift like people need this mm. and they, and they need, they need someone to, to mentor them somehow. And I know I'm not the be all end all, but I thought at least I could do that. And if they don't want to do it, it's okay. And it turns yeah. out they all wanted to do it. Oh. And now our, our neighborhood is tighter as a result. Cause all these guys now are friends with each other. I'm excited. I'm praying already as you're talking, I'm praying that all the men who are listening to this podcast or the pastors, when they hear they, this, they get excited about this. This is awesome. I think, I think what worked again was the fact that I only said, this is for four weeks and then we're done. And so they don't feel like they're committing to something unending that eventually they'll have to awkwardly back out of. Yeah. And so, and also the fact that it's only an hour, I promise. I think that is really helpful to the male mindset in particular. Uh, So yeah, it it went way better than I even thought it was going to. Total four hours. Yeah. But I will tell you, everybody wanted to hang out afterward and we did yeah. talk more and they talked amongst themselves and got, you know, just had a great time, but, but they I knew that they good. could leave. I yeah. think that's really good uh, next step for me, at least, because I've been thinking about doing something in, so usually in the spring and the fall, we're doing uh, Bible studies based on a sermon series. 
but uh-huh. summer I was thinking about doing something different. So maybe this is this is what we should do. What do we? Yeah, well, let me know how it goes. To, yeah, and then I will report back to you. Then you can be yeah. my mentor in that area. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, see, yeah, sure. I'm telling right. you, brother. Because in summary, what's the main takeaway you want to leave listeners with? Oh, well, with this book, it's this vision, the keeper of the garden. You are the keeper of your sphere of influence. People should flourish around you and feel secure. So I'm telling, I'm telling guys, this is it. This is what it means to be a man. Mm. Like that other stuff, it's all trappings. There's nothing wrong with a big truck. I mean, I'd love to have one. Sure, whatever. <laughs> probably, I don't know, or motorcycles or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not it. This is it. And when women see it, mm-hmm. they're drawn to it. I'm not saying you should do it to be attractive to women, but the fact mm-hmm. is they intuit this. Women are brilliant. They mm-hmm. intuit it. They know what we're made for. And when they see men in this rescuing role or protecting role and making people feel secure, mm-hmm. not threatened, mm-hmm. secure, they find that very attractive. Yeah. And if you don't do it, they find that very unattractive, even if you're a good looking guy, if you're actually a threat mm-hmm. to the family or she feels like she can't be secure around you. It's the, it's the exact opposite. I think, they, I think they know, they intuit that we're supposed to have this role in this vision. Yeah, and I want to connect that back to what you already, already said. Just so somebody who's listening, they just take this and just suddenly run with some sort of criticism. You already said, that is with the mindset that you're not going to be domineering. You're not going to undermine yes. the woman's role because they are equal, right? That's yes, why you're yes. attending. So I, you already said those things. So I just wanted to, somebody who just got on uh, this podcast yeah. now and heard it and was like, oh, what are they talking about? Can I, can I, can I ramp on that just a little bit? Sure, really sure. Important. Absolutely. Go on. Go on. So I, I quote a guy from another book um, in, in, in my book, but he talked about how most guys will pat themselves on the back and say, hey, if somebody it, like an intruder came in my house and tried to harm my wife, you know, I would mm-hmm. defend her to the death. I would do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. But this guy, he said, I was, I've always said that. And then I realized most of the time the intruder is me. I'm the threat with my words or by not making people feel secure around me. Like I actually cause harm. And, and I, I think that's true. Like, so it's, it's not this, distant, um, I, I'm willing to step up if somebody breaks in my house thing. It's, it's your, you want the people within your sphere of influence to thrive mm-hmm. and flourish. Mm-hmm. So that means serving and building people up with words. Mm-hmm. Do not discount the important, like that sort of thing. Like that's the, that's the masculinity I'm talking about. Brent, that's awesome. And I, I think, I think this is excellent. And, uh, um, I, I must confess that I've not read your book, just summary and all that uh, that came through our staff. But mm-hmm. you convinced me to read and hand this book to our elders, our uh, young people. It's, it's excellent, brother. I, I think this is awesome. Good. This is Thank good. you. So if listeners want to get in touch with you or find your book, what, what are the easiest ways? Well, my email is just brant at branthanson.com. And- if you want to get the book, um, it's on Amazon and it's at all the book places. So it's, again, it's called the men we need. And I do, I do want it to be a blessing to people. I do think it's needed. And, um, I'm not the guy that people would have picked to write this cause I'm, I play the flute like, and I drive a very tiny car and, um, 
many actually. <laughs> so, yeah, but but I do think this is it. I think this is I think this is the best vision that I can come up with anyway. And I think it's I think it's God's role for us. Great, great. Um, that will also be included in the episode description. So um, we're gonna make sure. And also, I'm gonna put the link for the other book you recommended uh, in this conversation. For the last thing because we talk about heavy topics and this is really serious topic i know that we we enjoyed our conversation but it's for some people who are struggling with identity this topic is really really difficult for them Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because probably they are thinking like what are you talking about you don't know what i'm going through you don't understand Uh, or the person who is struggling right now with pornography or deep into that uh, is going to be a tough conversation so I like to ask you to tell a joke to lighten the mood. That's the point. Oh, man, on-demand joke. Oh, boy. See, the problem is I, I have good ones, but not on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to think of one. Um, a good joke. What did I just use the other day that Sherry actually laughed at? I do this, I do this thing on my radio show where I do a joke-telling master class. Oh yeah, and uh, it always bombs. Um, but that's kind of the joke is that it's a joke telling masterclass, but it's, it's never any good. Let me find one here. Um, um, oh, have you have you seen uh, ET the movie? Yeah. What is what is ET short for? What? Well, he's got little legs. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. All right. I got it. Um, thank you so much, my man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Right. Thanks. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Brent Hansen, author of The Men We Need. And thank you to all our listeners. If you appreciate this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in next week for more honest You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.